Welcome to KFSK News. I'm Hannah Floor. Just 12 ballots decided two separate races in Petersburg on Monday. At the Borough Assembly's regular meeting, the uncounted ballots d- determined winners for both an Assembly seat and a Public Safety Advisory Board seat. KFSK's Shelby Herbert reports. Borough Clerk Deborah Thompson and Deputy Borough Clerk Becky Regula meticulously cut open the yet uncounted ballots. Um, Deputy Clerk Regula is going to go ahead and open them and hand the ballots to me in the secrecy sleeve and then I will I will read the votes off the ballots one by one. Twelve of the 24 unopened absentee ballots were completed and returned and the state of Alaska rejected four questioned ballots. When the polls closed on October 3rd, Assembly candidate Rick Perkins had a five-point lead over his opponent, Jay Stanton Greger. But at the final count, Stanton Greger overtook him by just one vote. Stanton Greger got the news on vacation in Montana. He said he listened to the live broadcast of the Assembly meeting while perched on a pile of rocks in the sunshine, tallying the votes to himself as they came in. I'm obviously, I'm still in a little bit of shock. The last week was pretty stressful for a lot of uh, people, including myself. I thought, personally, I thought this would be a little much to overcome when I learned there was 12. So, I mean, at this point, I'm filled with shock, and it's just a huge, deep sense of gratitude for people who believe in me enough to cast a vote for me in that role in the Assembly. Stanton Greger served on the Borough Assembly from 2014 to 2022 and will return to the table after having lost his seat to Assemblymember Donna Marsh last year. He'll swear in for his new term at the next regular meeting on October 16th. Rob Schwartz, a newcomer to local politics, took the other seat on the assembly. He won about 100 votes over his opponents. Schwartz is a retired teacher and wrestling coach for the Petersburg School District and now owns Seek Alaska Tours, a tour and transport business in town. After the conclusion of his very first assembly meeting, Schwartz thanked his supporters, as well as his opponent, Jeff Miucci, who lost his bid for re-election. Thank Mr. Miucci for all this decades of service and uh, everybody that worked on the election, everybody that was involved. uh, It's humbling. It's a humbling job, there's lots to learn, but um, and a lot of people to talk to. I try to represent the people well and a lot of different sides of things, so try to do this reasonable and realistic. The final count also decided the results of the race for one seat on the Public Safety Advisory Board. Incumbent board member Stan Yort maintained his narrow lead over his opponent, Jacob Slavin. Yort won by just eight votes. In Petersburg, I'm Shelby Herbert. Petersburg School Board will discuss the district's request to create a work group to review communication procedures. It's part of their regularly scheduled meeting, which will start at 6 p.m. tonight. The school board already has a simple communication policy in place, which states that the school district must communicate with the public. But the work group would define specific protocols for that communication. The group would include parents, teachers, and community members, and is a part of is partly in reaction to the two recent unrelated threats made against the school district by students. The school district will present the board with a list of grants that they will they have been awarded and the board will vote to accept the grant funding. Some are standard grants that the district applies for and receives each year. Others focus on professional development for teachers, increasing the nutrition in school lunches, and improving reading programs. All of these grants have been discussed at previous board meetings and are pending acceptance by the board. 
The board will recognize board member Katie Holmland for earning the Basic Boardsmanship Award from the Alaska Association of School Boards and Dean of Students Jamie Cabral for his Champion for Kids Award from the Alaska Children's Trust. Representatives with the trust will be in Petersburg to honor Cabral on October 16th. The board will also get an update on standardized state testing timelines. And at the end of the meeting, the board will recess to executive session related to a student matter. Petersburg School Board will meet this evening at 6 p.m. in the Middle and High School Library. KFSK will broadcast that live and will post the recording on our website, kfsk.org. And following Midday Magazine, we will have Campus Connection. That's a conversation with school officials. And uh, you can join by calling 907-772-3808. That will also be published on our website. Earlier this year, the U.S. Supreme Court narrowed the scope of the Clean Water Act, removing some federal authority over wetlands. It did that by limiting the definition of what areas actually make up the protected waters of the United States. As Sage Smiley reports, that leaves wetland-heavy communities like Wrangell wondering whether the decision will clear an easier path to development projects. Almost 45% of the state of Alaska is classified as wetlands. And a good chunk of our land is considered wetlands. That's Jeff Good, Wrangell's borough manager, speaking to the borough assembly at a meeting on September 12th. Wetlands designations have lengthened and delayed development projects on the island, from a recreational trail extension to new housing and industrial lot development. That's because wetlands development has traditionally operated under a different set of restrictions overseen by the Federal Environmental Protection Agency and Army Corps of Engineers. It often requires tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars in what's called compensatory wetlands mitigation. But earlier this year, the nation's Supreme Court handed down a decision that could change that process drastically. It was a huge ruling and and really a callback from some of the authority that the Army Corps of Engineers had had over the years and presumed authority. For years, the EPA and Army Corps of Engineers had considered a wide variety of muskegs, seasonal ponds, streams, and other small waterways part of its federal wetlands jurisdiction. The Supreme Court ruling tightened the definition of a wetland under the Clean Water Act. The Supreme Court ruling essentially stated that it's got to have a, a path to navigable water before the the federal government has a jurisdiction over that and considered it a wetland. The states can do whatever they want. Alaska's Governor Mike Dunleavy applauded the decision, saying it promotes the kind of, quote, responsible development his administration tries to encourage. Good told Assembly members he wasn't exactly sure how the ruling would impact Wrangell, though he expects something will happen. Does that mean that the land we set aside for what wasn't actually a wetland, do we get that back? Yeah. Um, that's, that's questions I have as well, and, and I think that's something that the Army Corps and ADEC are going to have to kind of kind of figure out how they're going to move forward with it. The ADEC is the Alaska Department of Environmental Conservation, the state authority over wetlands and waterways. Wrangell is in the process of developing new housing lots on wetlands where a Federal Bureau of Indian Affairs boarding school used to be, and set aside almost $150,000 for wetlands mitigation for the site. We need to claw that back. Wrangell Mayor Patty Gilbert pointed out wetlands mitigation isn't just complicating Wrangell housing development. And, and it's stalling our efforts to build roads and, and make more industrial lots and open those up. Wrangell Assembly members expressed support and curiosity about how the rollback of federal jurisdiction over wetlands might change the island's development plans. 
Assemblymember Ryan Howe said, from a development standpoint, the Supreme Court decision could be really good news for Rangel. But he also said it's important to be cautious when it comes to building over wetlands. I think it is good to remove red tape, but I think also we have to be really wise about how we use our land so that we don't kill off our fish. With the large number of wetland areas in and around Wrangell, Howe noted that many wetlands can connect to anadromous waterways, areas where fish return year after year to spawn. You don't know it's a problem until it's a problem. Like I've heard stories about creeks on the mainland just across the channel that, you know, loggers would dredge it to make roads and they killed off 50 inch salmon runs because they just didn't know any better. It's not immediately clear whether Wrangell will recover wetlands mitigation money or land. Development of new industrial lots remains stalled as the borough waits to hear back from the Army Corps of Engineers. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. Katmai National Park's Fat Bear Week highlights the region's hefty bears and healthy ecosystem. But today, that celebration is coming to an end. In Dillingham, Christina McDermott learned more about this year's contestants and has this story. Voters from around the world will decide the winner of Katmai National Park and Preserve's Fat Bear Week. Returners and newcomers alike spent the summer catching salmon and packing on pounds before hibernation. Park staff don't measure bears with a scale, though. Cynthia Hernandez, a member of the park's communications team, says that like beauty, fatness is in the eye of the beholder. We rely on visitors and, and viewers of the bears to decide who is the, the fluffiest, who has put on the most weight since July. Um, you can compare who looks to be the heaviest right now, who looks to be the most round, or who do you think is, is the cutest? Fatness, Hernandez says, is a measure of survival success before bears hibernate during winter. This year's contenders include newcomer bear 806, a year-old cub who won the Fat Bear Junior contest earlier this month. 806 went against bear 32, Chunk, who has a distinctive muzzle scar and hefty hindquarters. Chunk won and is in the finals now. Bear 128, Grazer, Hernandez says, is another fan favorite. She's recognized by a round belly that hangs in the water when she fishes. Bear 128 is known for confronting much larger bears to protect her cubs. Hernandez says past winners are also popular. Bear 435, Holly, who adopted a cub and raised it alongside her own back in 2007, is back in the running. And she is looking splendid this year as well. She's a large adult female and her her ears are, are blonde and we love to see her come back every year. Bear 435 won in 2019, but hasn't been crowned since. And, of course, the old man of the falls and four-time champion, Bear 480, Otis, has returned. The 27-year-old lost out to Bear 901 on Friday. Bear 901, with her blonde triangular ears, is about 20 years his junior. The famous Brooks Falls is prime fishing ground for hundreds of bears like our contestants. According to Hernandez, bears prefer different spots of the salmon-rich area, sometimes depending on age and skill. Due to the geology of the space, the short six-foot fall, there are several opportune spaces for the bears to, to fish. So there's a, a location called the office, which is on the lower section of the falls where some of the, the salmon congregate, and it's shallower there. Hernandez says older bears like Otis tend to fish in the office. Younger bears, on the other hand, can be a little more active and use a few more calories to catch fish. 
some of the, the younger bears who may not know uh, the most efficient fishing methods will hang out a little further downstream and run and try to catch the fish as they're swimming. Fat Bear Week graces the social media feeds of hundreds of thousands of fans around the world with the park's fluffy carnivores. But Hernandez says that the week also celebrates the national park's healthy ecosystem. So there's so much to celebrate this week, not just the fat, amazing, cute bears, but also the health of the park and the ecosystem. And um, Bristol Bay, the, the waters that feed into Katmai's ecosystem there in the, in the Brooks River, it is one of the largest and healthiest salmon runs left on the planet. Fans can vote for the 2023 winner at fatbearweek.org. In Dillingham, I'm Christina McDermott. Alaska Congresswoman Mary Peltola says she's ready to return to Washington. She's been in Alaska since learning that her husband, Buzzy Peltola, died on September 12th following a plane crash. Peltola says the past few weeks have been some of the most difficult of her life. In a statement issued by her congressional office, she says she's thankful Alaskans have given her room to celebrate her husband's life with her family. I will continue to mourn Buzzy, her statement says, but I am ready to get to work as I know that's what he would want. She expects to return this week to a House of Representatives in the midst of a shakeup. While Peltola was away, her Democratic colleagues and a handful of Republican hardliners voted to oust Kevin McCarthy as House Speaker. Now, Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries is proposing a bipartisan coalition. Bipartisan majorities are normal in the Alaska legislature, where Peltola served for a decade, but unheard of in Congress. Peltola, one of the most moderate Democrats, says she is all for finding common ground. For KFSK, I'm Hannah Floor.